Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Moment of Cluth podcast today. It is now June, which I know it seems like there's no way we're only halfway through this year, but we officially are. June is Pride Month, and in honor of that, my guest this week is one of golf's brightest stars, Tisha Allen Abrea. Tisha came out last summer very publicly and has since been sharing her journey to help others. She's a Chicago native who I met while working at a golf event a few summers ago. We immediately hit it off. She shared with me and her followers her fearless all-in mentality. And on this episode, we talk about embracing who you are, what is on the other side of that fear, and placing all bets on yourself. So I hope you find her story as inspiring as I do. Joining me now on the Moment of Cluth podcast is one of golf's brightest stars and biggest social media influencers. You might have seen her dancing somewhere on a sunny golf course or doing trick shots with ease. Tisha Alenabrea, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to see you. I usually see you every year. I know. This is our hangout right now. Right Who knows here. if we'll be able to hang out in groups this summer, but at least I get to see I you. Know. You look amazing. So do you. Thanks. How you been holding up in quarantine? You know, just been doing trick shots from home and trying to stay creative while indoors. I, I would be lying if I said I didn't break down a few times during these last six, seven weeks, but I'm, I'm actually getting used to it, I think. I think I'm, I'm liking it. Uh, well, you're killing it. I'm watching your workout videos <laughs> thinking to myself, I wish I was this motivated to work out during quarantine. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying. I guess it's part of the gig, right? Um, you're from the yeah. Chicagoland area, but you're based out in California. I am. Yeah, that's right. So I was I was born and raised in Illinois. Um, I was actually born in Rockford, and I was born in Rockford. I think I was in Rockford maybe till like I was one and a half, and then my family we moved out to Chicago. So I was raised in Chicago till maybe like 11 years old-ish, and then we moved out to the Algonquin area, mm-hmm. um, if you're familiar. But then in Chicago, yeah, that's, that's basically where I started golf. Um, it was pretty cool, actually. And, and so I still visit Chicago quite often because all my friends are there, you're there. And, <laughs> and you know, I just, yeah, I, I, I love it. It's, it's my hometown, you know, so. So we always see you doing these dance moves on the golf course. Did you pick up <laughs> dancing in Chicago or those skills that you learned? From Chicagoans? <laughs> it, it is definitely from Chicago, let me tell you. Like, growing up um, in Chicago, I felt like, you know, dancing is actually a really big part of the lifestyle over there. And I felt like it was almost a way of fitting in, in a sense. And I just kind of picked it up from watching videos. Um, you know, growing up in school over there, it was like a cool kid thing to do if you were able to dance. Like, my first dance move, I think I literally learned was like the Harlem Shake. <laughs> which I don't think was based. I don't think it was based in Chicago, but it was a very prominent move um, during that time. Now no one's doing it, but you know that was, that was like the thing. So I grew up um, learning how to dance just based on my environment around me, and I think it's really big. Dancing is a big thing in Filipino culture too. So I kind of just the two things meshed together really brought it in me. I was so excited to talk to you because you're really bringing a new element into the game of golf. You're making it cool for younger generations and um, you're really paving a path that hasn't been paved before. Talk about that journey. How did you get started in golf and then how did you launch this social media career? 
Yeah, so I've been playing golf all my life. It was actually a means of my dad and I bonding, uh, like I said, in Chicago. I started when I was three, turning four, and he just caught the golf bug. And for anyone who's listening and just, you know, when you catch the golf bug, you just, you never let it go. It's just like a hobby that just becomes so addictive. And that's what happened to my dad. And he brought me to the range all the time. He was a stay-at-home dad. And that was, like I said, our means of bonding. And then one day I just kind of got up and, and hit it. And I have never stopped golfing ever since. Crazy enough. And it was, I started competing at seven. Um, I played number one for Illinois as a junior, I think from eight years old to 11. Um, so I played on a national level and I always, you know, like I said, represented Illinois and I always met up with my golf friends in national tournaments. And then I moved out to California at around 13, kind of an awkward age, and continued the competing since then. And I mean, not to say I haven't fallen in and out of love with golf, just like any other sport, if someone does it for a long time, you know, it gets hard. But when I got to college, I knew I wanted to turn pro. And when I turned pro, it was extremely important to find a way to market yourself, especially as a female golfer, females in, female in sports in general, it's, there's not as much money there. And I didn't have the backing from my family. I had the full emotional support, but not the financial. And so I needed to find a way to make both ends meet. And one of my friends who was kind of one of the first girls to kind of bring out the social media and golf, this is in 2015, um, her name is Paige Renee. And she encouraged me. She was like, you know, you should just throw yourself out there on social, like, you know, you're a cute Filipino girl, you can do cool stuff, like just put it out there. And I was like, what do I do? Like put on makeup and like bounce the ball? Like, I don't know what to do. So as I was playing professionally in 2015, that's when I started experimenting with social media and golf and social media became a thing. And I just started to kind of rise. Like I, I truly believe I picked up on the right wave. And then I'd just try a few things. I was like, maybe if I bounce the ball, people will think that's cool. Great response. Maybe I'll show my golf swing and do this and do a cool edit. Great response. And then the first time I danced on a golf course, I was terrified because like hip hop and golf, like it doesn't, it, you know, it's just very traditional, very non-traditional, two, two worlds colliding. And I remember being so scared to post that. And I posted it and I was like, I'm not going to look at my social media. I'll just take it down if, you know, all these traditional people start hitting me left and right. And it was such a great response. It went, it went off. It went viral, basically, in the golf world. And I was like, oh, my God, I can combine two, you know, my two favorite things. And that's really when my personality came out. And I was able to just, like, let my creativity go. I was like, why am I afraid of what people are going to think? Like, I think I can make golf look really fun. And people would start messaging me, kids, parents, other women golf, and everyone just saying like, you make golf look so cool. And I'm like, oh my God, that makes me truly happy. And that's kind of how this whole thing um, came about. Well, I was just checking your page. You have 160,000 Instagram followers. It's a huge amount of fans. And <laughs> I love every single dance video you're posting. What would be oh, your you. <laughs> piece of advice to um, a young woman or a young man or anybody who's listening to this podcast who might be afraid to put themselves out there? What's on the other side of that? I mean, the only thing on the other side of that is is just your judgment upon yourself. I mean, the the biggest thing that can hinder you is literally fear. And once you get past that, like I truly believe you can do whatever it is that you want. Like the the only 
like expectation when you fail expectation i feel like you're failing um the idea of someone else's uh view on you and and that's not what it's about it's not about what other people think and like it's cliche people say that kind of stuff all the time but if you truly let go of being concerned about what some random person who lives in a basement who is like 80 years old is going to say about you then yeah you're always going to be within a box but once you let that go like you can literally do anything with the way technology is right now anyone can see what you're doing and it just takes that one message that one person you meet or something that can truly change your life with you know the connectivity of social media I was so eager to talk to you because we got to know each other a couple of years ago and you were telling about mm -hmm. your journey in the golf world and combining these industries, but also because an exciting day for you last year, um, Pride Month is, among, is upon us, you came out. And this podcast mm -hmm. is really about being your authentic self and a time in your life when you weren't being authentic. First, tell me about walk me through the decision to come out and then mm -hmm. what the response was. Yeah. So the decision to come out, firstly, I think I, I definitely was, you know, someone who came out, who figured myself a little later in life. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm 26 now and I kind of figured myself out around like 22, 23. Mm -hmm. And at the point that I thought like, no way, this could not be like, I, I was very much raised with a traditional family very religious, you know, I just didn't even know that that was a possibility. I truly, you know, I was just like many other girls, I like, grew up thinking, I'm gonna find a man, I'm gonna, you know, marry a, you know, a very successful person, and then this and this and that, I'm gonna have a family and all that. Not to say that, you know, that changed. I mean, the only difference is that I, I see it with a female. But, um, so when I truly found myself out, I remember the first thing I thought of was, whew, am I ever going to, let this out am i ever going to be brave enough to let this out firstly can i even go against my family in doing this i knew that the response between that realization at 22 uh, 23 okay. um kind of end of yeah 23 ish and that's because i i had my first relationship or my first really strong feeling for a girl and and i kept thinking like you know i kept pushing it away and then finally it was like my heart overrided my mind and i i had to see it through and like when I say I was put to the test, I was put to the test in 2017, you know, like, like, is this truly who I am? And, you know, I had people questioning me left and right, like, listen, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, this is just a phase, or, you know, this, the, you know, what, you're just, you're just trying things out, you're unsure. Oh my God, I'd be rich. Seriously. Like, I could, and, and I think what was hard was that, you know, going back to being very concerned about what other people think those comments really got in my head and I think prolonged the idea of coming out because I'm like, am I sure? Am I sure? Yes, I'm sure. Maybe I'm not because of all these other people. So, and when I knew I wanted to come out, it was when I finally um, kind of got my family to be on board with it. And I, I was able to show my family that this is, this is me, this is my authentic self and I'm not turning back, you know, like, parents don't realize when it's when it comes to something like this especially it's it's not it's not the, the person coming out who's confused it is the parent in my opinion who's confused because the kid has most likely thought about this over and over and over again that they're so concerned that they probably told the parent last and that's exactly what happened to me 
I told my parents last because I was so fearful and I was so sure of it that I told everybody else, but I couldn't tell them. So when my mom finally came around, that was, I think, 2018 now. And she, and this isn't, this is not a bad picture of my mom. She loves me. We have a great relationship. It just, you know, for a parent to suddenly see like, oh my gosh, do I even know my daughter? How did I not see this coming? It was hard for her to come around. But when she did, that's when I was like, I think I need to share my story because there has to be other people who are still struggling, even though we're in 2020 now, you know, I'm like, there's still kids that are struggling. Um, especially maybe those kids who grew up in the same kind of environment as me and perhaps do not, you know, there's like a, a stereotype of what um, a gay individual or lesbian must look like. And I think I kind of defy that. And I, I don't believe that this should be a thing, but unfortunately it still is. Mm -hmm. And for girls who may be going through that kind of identity crisis, I want to speak on that behalf and female athletes. There's a lot of things. So I decided to come out, which was just last year. Um, crazy that it's, it's going to be nearly a year since I've, I've come out. And it just worked out perfectly that when I told my family, I think I want to come out, um, there was a golf company, a golf uh, media company that was celebrating Pride Month. They had no idea I was gay and I had no idea they were working on something. A friend connected me and I was like, hey, hi, like, I'm gay. Can we do something? <laughs> and they were like, what? Um, I was like, yeah, don't tell anybody. Uh, it's really low key, but I want to come out with you guys. How is that? How can we do that? And they were like, yeah, we're on board. And so that's how I was able to put my message out there in a pretty grand way. But I mean, it's the way I kind of wanted it. I wanted to make an impact. Now, golf is traditionally pretty stuffy and mm -hmm. old school. What was the <laughs> yeah. response of the golf community? So I was very, very fortunate that I, I would say about 90%, maybe like 85 to 90% was positive. And, you know, there's actually a lot of female athletes that have gone through this struggle and maybe just don't make it as a parent as, as I have that that they're gay or they have, you know, whatever sexuality that they, that they um, you know, identify as. Um, but the golf community was very supportive of me. But don't get me wrong, I got some emails saying like, you better pray that gay away, you know, you should be crucified, you know, it's like the biggest sin. And like, believe me, I grew up in religion. I, I knew I was going to get comments like that, but to actually receive it in a very personal manner, not even commenting like emails. And, you know, I was like, wow, you know, that still kind of stabs, but 85 to 90% was positive. And I, I think that that was the best thing I could have ever asked for. I was honestly anticipating the worst and to see the overflowing amount of love truly, I think was like the biggest lift off my shoulders. It was like the final thing I needed in my life. I feel like to really just let go. I love that. You're truly embodying what this podcast is all about. And that's standing in your authentic truth and saying, this is who I am and I'm not going to take your shit. I'm allowed to swear because it's my podcast. <laughs> okay. I love it. <laughs> I, did you experience any um, decline in job offers or gigs falling through once you came out? So that was, that was a big conversation between myself, my team, my family, my agent, all of it. And so a part of that preparation before coming out was making sure to tell my leading sponsors beforehand. And it's kind of a, you know, it's a weird situation to be in where it's like, you know, you know, straight people don't have to go to their sponsor and be like, 
I'm straight. <laughs> you know, it's it's so strange. But I did, and and when I did that, and I and so Cobra Puma is my biggest sponsor in golf. Um, and when I told them about it, and I told them I wanted to come out, they actually gifted me during our my photo shoot right beforehand. Um, it was these custom golf clubs, and it was custom made with rainbow print on it, and it said All In, which is my nickname, and the other golf club had my only my tattoo, which stands for I Am Greater Than My Highs and Lows, and when they gave that to me, and I wasn't sure if they were going to fully support it in like a public way, they said like, we always love you, but when they gave me that gift, oh my gosh, just like floods of tears, and they supported me, they reposted my stuff, and that was a huge step because they're not just representing me, you know, they're speaking on behalf of LGBTQ plus. Mm -hmm. So that was a big deal. And no, I, I didn't, I didn't lose anything as far as I know. Um, I mean, once all I knew, once I knew all my sponsors were behind me, I'm also an ambassador for AT&T and they do a huge thing for the LGBTQ community. So they knew about it. They reposted everything. They were so excited about it. Um, but moving forward, I actually, I didn't lose any followers. I think if anything, I grew from it. Um, I've had, I think, opportunities that have been a lot more diverse and a little outside of golf because of it. And I've also been able to support causes which mended both communities of LGBTQ and golf. There was supposed to be a huge project actually this year for one of the majors in golf, but you know, coronavirus. So, yeah. so things are put on hold. But um, you know, it's been it's been really cool to, and I think that that's a big sign of progression in the golf world to know that I was an example of someone who came out and did something very bold and I didn't suffer from it entirely. I actually grew from it. So right on the other side of fear is really just standing in your light and being your best self. Yes, exactly that. There's no point in being fearful. Like I can't even imagine my life if I had never come out anymore. You know, I think I would be in a really dark place if I never was able to do that. Well, I'm so proud of you and congratulations. Um, Thank you. Taking a pivot to the coronavirus here. How is obviously golf courses are starting to be reopened. Mm -hmm. What do you foresee the impact of the coronavirus being on the golf world? This is prime season for it. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, in the golf world, uh, the two tours, the women's tour and the men's tour has just announced their new schedule recently. Things are to pick up in uh, June, July, and there'll be no crowds. So no fans or anything like that. And they're very limited to what media can even come. I'm not coming to any of those events and I'm usually a part of media and I'll just be trying to support a lot of these events via social from home. And it's, it's kind of like a very scary thing. I mean, how is COVID affecting sports in general? You know, like live sports is such a big deal and being able to attend it is such an experience. Um, but I personally think that this is going to be the status for a while of having no fans. Um, I, I personally think throughout the end of the year for, you know, safety reasons. I mean, my, my entire family is in the medical field. So I get to really hear updates day in and day out of, you know, how is their COVID floor doing right now? And my family deals with it head on. And I just don't think that this is something that anyone should rush into because, you know, big crowds, it's like any sporting event is probably the scariest thing that could happen. One person is literally all it takes and everyone will be screwed. So um, yeah, it's, it's definitely affecting the golf world. It's definitely hitting golf uh, marketing just like sideways. So um, that's been a whole new adjustment. But 
I think any brand um, and any sport that's able to try and figure their way around this is going to be the sport that really thrives. You know, it's just about um, really adjusting. Um, I want to get into this company that you started because you're, you're really a golf personality or you're pro, but you also started your own company with your friend. Mm -hmm. Talk yeah. about that process as a female entrepreneur that intrigues me. Yeah. So um, she's my closest friend in the golf world. We met because of golf and social media. Her name is Nikki and she has been my partner in everything for the longest time. We, we took over a company back in, I think, 2016. We became the faces of it. And then we decided we wanted to go off on our own and create something. And that was in end of 2018, starting 2019, or 2018, 2019. We were like, we want to create a company that really pushes women's golf. We want to show everyone how great this game is, how, many, how much people you can meet through this sport, just all the goods of it. And we were, you know, getting booked for many events. We were, you know, coordinating meetups. We were creating videos and everything like that. But um, we actually had to put the company down by summer of 2019 because, unfortunately, we were, um, I just I want to make sure I'm saying the right words, but we, we were basically, um, someone came after us in the golf world and um, sued us. And Really? Yeah. Mm hmm And um, it was unfortunate. And um, it, they, they took us for our name. And it, it sucks because in a place where you can really grow together, there are still some people with the mindset of just tearing others down, especially if you're someone new and there's someone that's been around for a while. And it's not something I've, I've spoken on too much. We're also very limited to what we can say, but it is public record. So I'm just going to throw that out there uh, for anyone who's listening. But because of that, it was... Nikki and I have gone through so many hits as female entrepreneurs and being self-employed still makes you an entrepreneur. Like I am my own brand. I am my own company as well. And so is she, and we wanted to create something together. And unfortunately we were, we were brought down and we had been attacked in so many ways, I think three times in trying to make a company. Um, but I guess it just kind of shows that we were doing something right. Um, and it's, it's a grind. And I think for any female who's trying to do something on your own, just keep on, keep on fighting. Because like I said, if people are coming after you for anything, you're doing something right. And I think for us in that moment, we knew that I think it was the right time for us to focus on our individual brands and continue supporting one another. And every time we work together, though, Nikki and I, we are always trying to grow women's golf. We are always big supporters of it we preach it every day you know like the content I create is to literally bring more people into the game um but not to say that we won't ever do something in the future so that's, that's kind of that that's what I was gonna ask you next what future plans do you have but I guess we'll just have to wait and see Sky's yeah the limit, sure. you know I hope so <laughs> it is I know it I've seen those dance moves um <laughs> lastly on this podcast I like to play a little game because you know how I do okay Keep things mm -hmm. it's called two truths and a lie um you tell me two truths and a lie and i have to guess which one is a lie okay um two truths and a lie okay um two truths and a lie wow i can't even i'm like i have to coordinate what will be a lie um <laughs> uh, okay okay um i was 
Miss Philippines USA People's Choice winner in 2016. So that's one. Um, I, uh, I used to compete in junior horse riding and um, I am a pretty decent artist and a pretty decent, uh, what's it called, scene sketcher. I'm going to go with the lies, the horse racing. <laughs> yeah. It was a very believable lie. I'm not going to lie. You were, I'm not going to lie. You were looking up, but I was like, something about this. How does she have time to race horses and be a professional golfer? Right. right. Well, I had time to dance and be a golfer. So. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm not good with horses. I actually tried doing, um, I forget the name of it, but it's like when you do aerial moves on a horse, it yeah. was like a, a show I did where I had to swap talents and I was trying to do like acrobatic stuff on a horse terrifying absolutely terrifying um don't don't, don't do it (laughs) i won't try it (laughs) well thank you so much for coming on this podcast it was so good to see you you look amazing and thank you for sharing your journey oh my gosh thank you so much for having me it's so good to see you thank you for listening to the moment of cluth podcast i'm your host megan cluth For more episodes, please subscribe and share this episode with others. Visit megancluth.com to get in touch, let me know who you want to hear from next, and stay tuned for more great interviews. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.